not your normal paranormal. Normal is an illusion. What is normal for the spider is chaos for the fly. Come with us on a journey where the cold creeps up on you, where the shadows are larger than life, where you'll lose your courage and possibly your mind. And you like it like that. <laughs> Not Your Normal Paranormal Podcast explores the weird, unnatural, and unknown. Subject matter may vary and may contain graphic or explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Enter at your own risk. Hi, welcome back to Not Your Normal Paranormal Podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Robin. And I'm Kylie. We're a family. (laughs) We... Another one of those episodes? <laughs> That's okay. Robin's going to laugh a lot. We knew. We knew coming into this. Um, first, we want to say we're sorry because I know our last um, podcast that we said we were going to do a special two episodes for Halloween and um, Dia de los Muertos. And that did not work out because Robin and Kylie started new jobs. <laughs> Some of us were I in the process of moving. together for both. Kylie was ready. Robin and I were not. Are you happy? (laughs) We just kind of scrapped the idea. We will revisit Halloween. Next Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) We will work a double episode in at some point, but right now we just wanted to get back on track. I think we're going to change our release date. Got to mess with our schedules a little bit and try to get us all on track. So we're all as good as Kylie. She's highly did her notes instead of doing her onboarding info for work. No, I didn't. I did my notes on my 15 minute break and lunch. I meant for the Halloween episode. Oh, yeah. I didn't do my new hire paperwork on the computer with us first. Yeah, I did my notes. I hope nobody who works with you listens. <laughs> By the way, one of our, one of our uh, get to know me questionnaires that we sent to our trainer was tell me something weird about yourself. And I copied Kylie's answer because we thought it'd be cool. And we thought she'd say something, but she didn't say nothing about ours. But, you know, everybody else is having funny names. That's hilarious. Ha, ha, ha. Like, we didn't know his name was Lucky at the beginning of class. Nope. They, they went on. And and what was your answer? That we read tarot and we host a paranormal podcast with our aunt and sister. Okay. I just, word for word. I just wanted to <laughs> I just wanted to make sure the answer was out there because you're like, I copied Kylie's answer and you never told him what the answer was. <laughs> You were just like, and they didn't even read our answer. <laughs> she didn't. I thought, well, she's going to say something because she's going to say the last names. And then she's going to say the answers the exact same word for word. And we sent them at the exact same time. So they went in back to back to her inbox. Okay. And all I have to say about this is I've heard, um, shall we say, uh, stories of how training in, and things an go adventure. there. Uh, it's an adventure, all right. It's definitely different training at home when you also have classmates that are in the actual office training. So you've got the trainer on the headset and still trying to teach in the classroom, too. They have the people are crushing this problem. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move on from okay. that. But now we're, we're working on our podcast. Kylie's going to pull a card. We're... I am using the Psychic Tarot Oracle deck. By John Holland. They have pretty gold. They're purple on the back. I know, I saw the purple. They're They're very pretty cards. We like purple. Our card is light. I thought it was lyric for a second. I couldn't read it upside down. I have a headache (laughs) and my vision's blurry, so... Bear with me when it's my bitchin's blurry. Girl, my bitchin' ain't ever blurry. Sometimes it's convoluted. (laughs) What did you say, Kai? She just doesn't like that it's not broken. But it's never going to get broken if you don't use it. It's like super broken, and I'm gonna have to eat another deck soon, and that makes me really sad. All the cards and stuff fall apart. Oh no, that's it's the um, really broken. What is it? The Empress. 
she's about to fall apart. Oh. Which I pull her every reading I do for myself. Which I don't like to do because I don't know. But I pull her a lot. Anyways, our card today is light. Um, this card reassures you that no matter what's happening around you, prosperity and bliss are promised. Um, the qualities of this card are pleasure, happiness, contentment, growth, success, joy, and illumination. The light always brings forth new birth and a consistent renewal of life. Well, that's good. Um, hold on. It's one of the most positive cards in this deck. Um, it's your moment to shine. Um, as people become attracted to the rays of your light by you being compassionate, generous, inspiring, and a leader. I like the sound of it. The card, which somebody will post on social media, um, shows, I believe, a lady reaching toward the light. So in a traditional <clears throat> tarot deck, this is the sun card. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But basically... And basically, we just got told we needed to be more consistent so people won't take us seriously. That means no skipping weeks, especially when we promise a double episode. Yeah, we need we to. We had a lot going on on top of new jobs and everything else. We, had we did parties that we were planning, and just Halloween itself. Kylie and I took. How many kids did we take? Um, six. six. We took six kids trick or treating instead of the nine. That we were going to because nine was just too many for the both of us. Yeah. <laughs> I used to take that many out by myself. <laughs> I was like, that's a lot of kids. <laughs> okay, so, but we did have a discussion this week. And, you know, we reaffirmed that we really want to do this podcast. So, we're going to, oh my gosh, Kylie, get over yourself. Um, Robin and I also have our stuff done. Thank you. We do now. She did hers during work again. I did mine during break and lunch. During work. I'm just saying. <laughs> it was during work. Okay. So this week we're covering shapeshifters. Where people. Different different kinds. And we each just kind of. They kind of tie together and flow together. So. And I mean. There's so many to pick from. We could also do another. Oh. And we probably will. Because this time we only picked one each. We still need to list everything. List everything. There's yeah. so much that we need to like add the to topics our and topic the list. subtopics of those topics that we, we keep forgetting to do. We need to do that. Um, we'll sit down and do that for my birthday weekend, my birthday party. My we're gonna sit at your birthday party and make this list. <gasps> oh, why not? By the way, Robin's birthday was in July. <laughs> we're just, and we're just now having a party. <laughs> it's been 20, 2019. Can I go back in age now? No. <laughs> still a baby <laughs> anyway all of these things will come to pass <laughs> okay i'm gonna start and i picked the werewolf and mostly i picked the werewolf because i love the werewolf and um, the first time i saw or heard anything about a werewolf was this won't be a surprise to people who listen sammy terry's nightmare theater <laughs> I watched the original Wolfman, Lon Chaney. It was pretty awesome. Anyway, so that's what I chose. So, I have um, Werewolf, or Lycanthrope, is a human with the ability to shapeshift into a wolf. Um, there are many, many ways. Well, there are two main ways that I learned that you can turn into, that a person can turn into a werewolf. And um, there was another article I read that said there were several ways. So I'm going to list the other ways first. That says, um, in ancient Greece, which is where um, some of the first stories of werewolves came from, actually, believe it or not. I didn't know that. Yes. In ancient Greece, it was believed that a person could be transformed by eating the meat of a wolf that had been mixed with the meat of a human. Mm. Yes. And that the condition was irreversible. So basically being a cannibal can turn you into a werewolf. Freaky. Yeah, I know. Right? Makes you wonder what really happened to the, the surviving members of the Donner Party. Sorry, I'm not necessarily joking about that. But also, I've read in several places that several different 
articles and stuff that I read, which they, they probably all draw from the same source that said cannibalism was a way. Um, another way is being conceived under a new moon, which really has nothing to do with you and more to do with your parents. By having eaten something. <laughs> if I could read my writing. I don't even know what that says. Okay, we're going to skip that one. Um, by sleeping under the full moon on Friday, only on Friday. Don't know why Friday ties into you being a werewolf. By drinking water that has been touched by a wolf. You could turn into one. I wish I knew what this said. It says by having eaten something and then in parentheses I put not normal. <laughs> Okay, but the two, the two main ways to turn into a werewolf, um, according to lore and mythology, is to um, purposefully transform using magic. Um, it was said that a lot of witches could transform into werewolves, into wolves at will. <laughs> uh, the second is being placed under a curse or being bitten by a wolf who was so cursed. Could turn you into um, a werewolf as a witch. You you curse a person to become a wolf. There's a there's a lot of I don't think I wrote um, all of it down. I will cover some of it, but there are there are a lot of stories where um, in different cultures where it's almost like normal for a certain group of people to be turned into wolves for a certain number of years, and if they pass the number of years without attacking a human then they can turn back into being human and go on with their lives. But if they attack a human, then they will be wolves forever, basically. And I think I, I touch on some of that. Um, an interesting fact is because is that um, because lycanthropy was thought of as a curse, werewolves were seen as victims more than villains. Like if a werewolf came in and snatched your kid in the middle of the night and ate it, yeah. people were like mad, but also kind of sympathetic because if you're transformed into a wolf, you cannot help your behavior. Yeah. Basically. Um, the medieval, mm -hmm. this is going to be fun. The medieval chronicler Gervais of Tilsbury associated the transformations with a full moon. So he was the first or she, I'm going to say he though, because let's face it, men were the only one who were really published. Um, he was the first person who said, oh, you know, the people transform on a full moon, so watch out. But there's really not a lot of lore to back that up. Like, he put it out there. Somebody who decided to make Hollywood movies went, I like the way that sounds. That's what we're going to do. And that's what they made it. But um, in the mythology, if you read it, people could transform at any time. And especially the people who purposely transform could do it at will. Like sitting here having dinner. I want to be a wolf. Whoop, I'm a wolf. Doesn't have to be a full moon. Doesn't have to be. Um, the one thing that is consistent throughout all of those stories is that the transfer transformation is painful. That is always painful. And, you know, one of the, the articles was like, eh, and it kind of states this. And I'm thinking, it's going to hurt. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to transform your body into any kind of a wolf-like body and it not hurt. So we're going to believe that it, it really hurts. Yeah. Also, modern fiction states that a silver bullet is the only way to kill a werewolf, which we saw in the Monster Squad. If you haven't seen it, go see it. <laughs> um, but according to folklore... Um, a werewolf, the, the way to kill a werewolf, a werewolf could be killed, either of those things, by the complete destruction of the heart or the head. No silver bullet required. I thought that was interesting because being a fan of Sammy Terry and all of the mythological monsters from Universal, I believed it. Mm -hmm. it means... If I ever meet up with a werewolf and I have a silver bullet and he doesn't die because his heart or head wasn't destroyed, I'm going to be a werewolf <laughs> or dead. There are stories of werewolves throughout many, many countries in Europe. Probably all of the countries. Seriously, there was a very, very long list. 
and they all have their own kind of word for it. Um, for example, in France, um, they're known as the Lucaru. In Greece, they're Lycanthropos. In Spain, it's Hombre Lobo. In Germany, it's Werwolf. Werwolf. I love the way that sounds. <laughs> and in Italy, it is Lupo Menero. Basically, all of them are saying man wolf, wolf man, all at the same time. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, let me see what else I got. There is a story, and, and I'm going to get to it in a minute, um, that is supposedly actual documentation of a real werewolf. Like nowadays, pretty much anything back then that was believed to be true dragons, witchcraft, um, werewolves, vampires, things of this nature. Nowadays, it's believed that that's folklore, it's fake, it's fiction. <laughs> But there is a story that science can't really explain to say that, no, that's not one. Um, one of the things I found super interesting was in Norse mythology, the legends of Ulfhedman. Nope. Ulfhednar. It's an old Norse term for a warrior with attributes parallel to those of a berserker, but with a lupine aspect rather than earth sign. Both terms refer to a special type of warrior capable of performing feats beyond, far beyond the abilities of normal people. Historically, this was attributed to possession by the spirit of an animal. It was mentioned in a book that I cannot name. Not right now, anyway. And the Volsunga saga that was a source of werewolf myths. They were vicious fighters, analogous to the better-known berserker, dressed in wolf hides and said to channel the spirits of these animals, enhancing their own power and ferocity in battle. They were immune to pain and killed viciously in battle like a wild animal. They are both associated with Odin. That was something else that I read um, a lot of. Several things said that um, people or werewolves had wolf hides that protected them. Mm -hmm. A werewolf in human form, one of them said a werewolf in human form had a special wolf hide that they could wear that would protect them and keep them safe while they were in human form. Because like werewolves could be destroyed unless you could get to their head or their heart. Yeah. But in human form, if they lost um, or damaged the, their wolf hide that they wore, then they were vulnerable hmm. to death. Yeah, I hadn't either. Listen, and I grew up with this stuff. I'm in Greek mythology. The story of Lycaon supplies one of the supplies one of the earliest examples of a werewolf legend. Um, that one is one that says uh, you've transformed into a wolf as a result of eating human flesh. One of those who were present at the periodical sacrifice on Mount Lycaon was said to suffer a similar fate. There are women, so the American, um, not American, sorry, <laughs> Armenian belief runs, who in consequence of deadly sin are condemned to pass seven years in the form of a wolf. A spirit comes to such a woman and brings her a wolf's skin. He orders her to put it on, and no sooner does has she done this than that the most frightful wolfish cravings make their appearance and soon get the upper hand. See, now this is interesting because this is specifically related to women as werewolves. So I don't hear this mentioned um, like with men at all. But her better nature conquered. Are you ready? She makes a meal of her own children one by one, then of her relative's children according to the degree of relationship. And finally, the children of strangers begin to fall as prey to her. She wanders forth only at night, and doors and locks spring open at her approach. When morning draws near, she returns to human form and removes her wolf skin. In these cases, the transformation was involuntary or virtually so. But side by side with this belief in involuntary metamorphosis, we find the belief that human beings can change themselves into animals at will, 
and then resume their own form. So basically, and it doesn't say anything like that about men. Like it does say if you're transformed into a werewolf, you know, you have wolf cravings and you attack people. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't say specific people except when they're talking about women. And then it's they attack their own children, which is, it's wrong on multiple levels, I think. Um, France in particular seems to have been infested with werewolves during the 16th century. And the consequence, consequence, <laughs> consequent trials were very numerous. In some cases, there was clear evidence against the accused of murder and cannibalism, but none of association with wolves. In other cases, there was clear evidence against some wolf, but none against the accused. <laughs> Yet while the link, this link, hmm, I cannot talk tonight. This lycanthropy fever, both of suspectors and of suspected, was at its height. It was decided in the case of Jean Grenier, Grenier, sorry, at Bordeaux in 1603 that lycanthropy was nothing more than an insane delusion. From this time, the loup garou gradually ceased to be regarded as a dangerous heretic and fell back into his pre-Christian position of simply being a man-wolf fiend. Uh, the Lubins or Lupins of France were usually female and shy in contrast to the aggressive loup garous. In Prussia, Livonia, and Lithuania, according to bishops, the werewolves were in the 16th century far more destructive than the true and natural wolves. And their heterodoxy appears from the Catholic bishop's assertion that they formed an accursed college of those desirous of innovations contrary to the divine law. I don't know what that means, but basically it sounds like they were um, interested in stuff the church didn't want them to be interested in. And um, there's a couple of stories of transforming um, the power of transforming others into wild beasts was attributed not only to malignant sorcerers, but also to Christian saints, which I didn't know. Hmm. So you hear like witches have cursed somebody, but apparently um, Christian saints could do it. All angels, good and bad, have the power of transmutating our bodies was the dictum of Sir Thomas hmm, Saint. Thomas Aquinas, St. <laughs> Patrick transformed um, Verdicus, a king in Wales, into a wolf. And St. Natalus cursed an illustrious Irish family with the result that each member of it was doomed to be a wolf for seven years. See, there's that thing. It's seven or nine years, seven or nine years. In other tales, the divine agency is still more direct, while in Russia, again, Men are supposed to become werewolves through incurring the wrath of the devil. Some werewolf lore is based on documented events. The beast of, it's either Givandan or Jivandan. Um, and that's the one I'm going to tell you about. Let me tell you about that one really, really quick. Because I'm probably taking too much time. You're good. You got this. I gotta find in my notes. There we go. And um, this is the one that they believed um, was. It was documented. It was very well documented. They believed it was actually a werewolf. I'm not gonna read all of the article because it starts out with "Mankind loves its monsters." Can't argue with that. Um. Okay. So some would argue that Givaudan's man-eating wolf is not a werewolf story, but if you'll indulge, you may be rewarded. It happened in the former province, Givaudan, now the French department, Lozier, I'm probably pronouncing those both wrong, but I'm trying, in southern France over a period of six years from the summer of 1764 until the final attacks over Christmas of 1769-1770, though that's a muddy bit of the story. The first attacks resulted in a brutal and gruesome death of a young girl named uh, Jan Bollet, and from that point, depending on the source, up to a hundred men, women, and children were either killed 
or seriously injured by the creature. Sources describe the animal as a massive wolf or dog-wolf hybrid. It was said to have huge jaws with 42 razor-sharp teeth, an important point to refute the claim that it was a hyena. Okay, I'm going to pause here and hope that it tells me somewhere in the story how somebody counted their teeth. Like, I hope they caught it <laughs> and counted teeth. Otherwise, it's going to drive me crazy that, no, no, there were 42 teeth. Well, how do you know if you didn't? Things like that drive me crazy. <laughs> And a red coat, oh, it had a red coat with black markings on its back. The animal was apparently as big as a calf, which would make it two or three times as large as any known wolf species. Embellishments and in inconsistencies in the description aside, it's clear that a beast of mythic proportions was loose in the area of Gevendon. Gevendon? Gevendon. I'm just going that way, people. Whirl with me. And it had a taste for human blood. Many of the victims were said to have had their throats ripped out and several were partially eaten. Of course, the townsfolk weren't about to just sit by while a monster killed them one by one. Following attack on a group of men on January the 12th, 1765, who managed to fight the beast off by grouping together, King Louis XV intervened by sending two of his best hunters to the region. The following weeks were disappointing and more royal hunters and agents were dispatched to help in the fight. Finally, on September the 20th, 1765, a wolf of spectacular proportions was killed by Francois Antoine, the lieutenant of the hunt. The creature weighed a whopping 60 kilograms, that's 130 pounds, and was 80 centimeters tall at the shoulder. In his official report to the king, Antoine claimed that they never saw a big wolf that could be compared to this one. Unfortunately for Antonet, the beast he had. Oh, the beast he had not killed. Another attack occurred on December the 2nd, 1769, followed by a dozen more deaths. Okay, I was wondering because I'm looking at this and I'm like, 130 pounds. It's not that big. <laughs> I have two dogs that are easily 100 pounds each. Yeah. Of course, every legend needs a hero, and in this case, the hero is a local hunter named Jean Castel. As a member of the hunting party organized by the local nobleman, Castel is credited with killing the creature that had terrorized his village for so long. Some sources claim that Castel took down the beast with a single shot, a blessed silver bullet. Not just silver, but blessed. A silver bullet he personally made for the job of ending their nightmare, but who blessed it? He made it. I, I don't like that. <laughs> You'll no doubt recognize this bit of lore from modern werewolf stories, and there are those who suggest it's actually an embellishment by previous researchers in an effort to make the stories fit with the legend. It would have been quite common for people of the time to manufacture their own shot, especially professional hunters, and the notion that silver has an effect on magical creatures was well known in that period, so it is possible that he did shoot the animal with a silver bullet. So what was it? The original stories claimed that the beast was slaughtered, and when they opened its stomach, they found several human body parts. And since the attack stopped with the death of this animal, it seems clear that this had been the culprit. However, there are still some unanswered questions. For a long time, the beast, the beast of Gevendon was widely believed to be a real-life werewolf, even by scholars. Only recently has anyone offered any other hypothesis for consideration. The current contenders are that it was a grievously unknown, grievously, it was a previously, did I mention my, my sight was blurry? It was a previously unknown species of wolf that naturally grew to immense size or that it was a hybrid mastiff wolf. Mastiffs are huge. Possibly bred by someone living in the wilderness around Gevendon, Gevaudon, darn it. Others have suggested, as mentioned earlier, that it wasn't a wolf at all, but rather an extant Asian hyena. The obvious claim that it wasn't any kind of cryptid-type animal, but was actually just a pack of regular European wolves notwithstanding, these explanations seem to satisfy logic, even though greatly, they greatly disappoint imagination. The fact remains that to this day we still don't know what it was that killed up to 100 people in Givondon in the 18th century. We know what happened. And we know that the people at the time were convinced that it was a fabled werewolf 
that terrorize their children and their town. Perhaps that's all we need to know. So I want to know if he killed it. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Thursday night on Instagram. <laughs> she, she's following us now. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. Okay. I just want to say real quick that um, for the beast that I just talked about, I think that it's pretty funny that they were able to describe the 130-pound animal, but that he shot and killed the other beast with the blessed magical bullet he made himself. And there's no description. There's no size. There's no color of the coat. There's no nothing about it other than, oh, it was possibly a, a mastiff wolf blend. Oh, what, but what did it look like? You told me about the other one. I just want to know how they got to the theory about eating human flesh with wolf whatever got them to be a werewolf. Well, probably eating human flesh is, is looked on as still. I look on it as a bad thing I mean, what if and an evil thing. Well, it's not just one story, though. Yeah, there's multiple stories. Do they all have rabies? I mean, and they could have. It's a possibility. <laughs> but if a if a wolf with rabies <laughs> bit you. That would give you rabies, but it wouldn't turn you into a wolf. But they ate the wolf meat. Oh, you're talking about where they ate the, the wolf meat mixed with the human meat? Yeah. I, listen, I don't know what to tell you about that because I'm wondering what kind of party place. that was. <laughs> and who did we sacrifice to mix the, their meat with the wolf meat? <laughs> and why did we want to become werewolves that way? Don't try this. Seriously, I, I can't even <laughs> wrap my mind around <laughs> wanting to eat human flesh. It's gross. I would think it was, listen, I know people. I'm pretty sure it's not, it's not pleasant. Okay, so that's some history on the werewolf, on the wolfman, on the loop garu, well, on the bitter wolf. You can go last. <laughs> so we'll segue into um, I'm doing the Kelpie. Okay, I'm just going to tell you I'm waiting for every time she's trying to say Kelpie and she says Selkie, which is what I'm doing. So just trying to sell her sister's material. But, okay, so I don't know what a Kelpie is, but so far we're talking we're about water, water people. Water spirits. Water spirits um, are good. One of the things I read said that the Kelpie could be killed with a silver bullet. Everything. Everything can be right? killed with a silver bullet. Something about silver is supposed to be a magical. It's a, it's it has properties that make it special to use against magical creatures. So the Kelpie or water Kelpie is the Scots name given to a shape-shifting water spirit inhabiting the lochs and pools of Scotland. It it has usually been described as appearing as a horse, but is able to adopt human form. Almost every sizable body, it's just every sizable body. It's what's the size of previously unknown. It was previously. <laughs> Almost every sizable body of water in Scotland has an associated Kelpie story, but the most extensively reported is that of Loch Ness. Yeah, I was getting ready to say Loch Ness. I was <laughs> The origin of the belief in the malevolent water horses has malevolent? been. Yes. The malevolent. It says malevolent. Ah, no, I'm just saying. Well, you're not. <laughs> Let her finish. <laughs> She's about to tell you. Maybe they eat human flesh mixed with wolf flesh. You don't know. <laughs> the origin of the belief in the malevolent water horses. Water horses. <laughs> has could, been proposed as originating in human sacrifices once made to appease gods associated with water. Okay, okay wait, water stop. Horses. Water horses. Okay, okay stop. Okay. What? You what? said something about human sacrifices? Right, right before that, what did you say? 
Okay, so the origin of the belief in the malevolent water horses has been proposed as originating in human sacrifices <laughs> once made to appease gods associated with water. Okay, I'm there. Okay, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Obviously. But narratives about the Kelpie also serve as a practical purpose in keeping children away from dangerous stretches of water and warning young women to be wary of handsome strangers. Look, they should always be worried. Give me a second to get into Kylie. it. Jesus. Kylie's so fascinating. Kelpies have the ability to transform themselves into non equine forms and can. Is that a water horse, right? A water horse. Um, yeah, we'll get said? into it. It's up there. Water. Yeah, like we'll a seahorse. Like a seahorse. No, like a horse that's in the water. Like <laughs> just a horse in the water. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like running on the bottom of the lock. <laughs> okay, that's all I got on it. Okay, go. Kelpies have the ability to transform themselves into non-equine forms and can take on the appearance of human figures, in which guise they may betray themselves by the presence of water weeds in their hair. And I'm assuming that's like seaweed. Wow. <laughs> but they call I mean, it water if you're going to go to all the trouble to transform, comb your hair. Come on. I don't care how cute you are. You got some seaweed in your hair? We're going we're gonna to have issues. A folktale from Barra tells of a lonely Kelpie that transforms itself into a handsome young man to woo, the man to woo a pretty young girl. It was determined to take for its wife. Did you stop looking over my nose? Jesus. <laughs> You're hearing that it's trying to trick some girl into marrying it with seaweed in its hair. Listen, and if the, the girl refuses it, it's going to get mad. But the girl recognizes the young man as a Kelpie and removes his silver necklace. In it's his bridal, in, in horse form, it would be his bridal. Okay. While he sleeps. Okay, wait. I didn't know that. They so, they so jumped they right into like, bed. When they turn into... I don't know what you just they said. They were from Helona. When they're in a horse form, maybe. they have a bridle. Right. When they're in human form, they have, they have a pendant. Apparently, they have a, a, a silver, silver necklace. necklace. <laughs> okay, well, how does a silver bullet... Wait, if you, if silver's touching his flesh... I don't know. It's kind of one thing I read, Okay. The copy so immediately reverts back to its equine form, and the girl takes it home to her father's farm, where it is put to work for a year. See, that's why I got pissing. Like, wait, bitch, what? You make me go to work? <laughs> okay, so the Kelpie immediately reverts back to its equine form, and the girl takes it home to her father's farm, where it is put to work for a year. At the end of that time, wait, 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 wait. wait. It's a water horse, but not, not a seahorse. Like, not like a seahorse. Like, I literally like a horse in the we water. We just had this discussion. No, it, like, didn't. runs along the bottom of the lock. <clears throat> it did play it back. Because <laughs> I said the same thing. Okay. That, okay. I'm with it now. But I was she, like, why does he do? Have a little sea? <laughs> but she stole the silver chain, and he was like, oh, I'm no longer human, and now I'm a horse. And then she's like, oh, you're going to work it. So at the end of that time... The girl rides the Kelpie to cons to consult a wise man who tells her, return the silver necklace. The wise man then asks the Kelpie, once again transformed into the handsome young man the girl had first met, whether if given the choice, it would choose to be a Kelpie or a mortal. The Kelpie, in turn, asks the girl whether if he were a man, she would agree to marry him. She would, she would agree to be his wife. Okay. She confirms that she would, after which the Kelpie chooses to become a mortal man and the pair are married. But wait, end of story. No, no, no. That's literally the No, end. she stole this chain. She left him a horse and she made him work for a year on her dad's farm as a horse. And then, then she rode his ass to the wise man and he's like, oh, but will you marry me? In the beginning, it says that he wants to take her for his He's wife. not malevolent. He's stupid. <laughs> well, that's just one folktale. Traditionally, Kelpies in their human form are male. One of the few stories describing the creature in female form is set in Conan, 
house in Ross and Cromarty. It tells of a tall woman dressed in green with a withered, meager countenance ever distorted by a malignant scowl. Okay, wait. If it's a man, he's all handsome and young, and if it's a woman, she's all old and shriveled. What? Who is overpowered and drowned... Who is over... Who has overpowered and drowned a man and a boy after she jumped out of a stream. Okay, so she's the malevolent one, of course. (laughs) The men just want to get married and the women are killing people. Okay. When a Kelpie appeared in its equine form without any tag, it could be captured using a halter stamped with a sign of a cross and its strength could be harnessed in tasks such as the transportation of heavy millstones. Okay, Kelly, do you see why they were malevolent? No, no, no. There, she just said that was Kelpies in general. If you caught one, you could. If it was out without tack, you could catch it and make it like do your bidding. So this folktale describes how. Was it a victim at that point? That's what I'm saying. How the Laird of Morphe captured a Kelpie and used it to carry stones to build his castle. Once the work was complete, the Laird released the Kelpie, which was evidently unhappy about its treatment. The curse it issued before leaving, Sarabac and Sarabanes, driving the Laird of Morphe's stains, stands, S-T-A-N-E-S, stands, stains, <clears throat> the Laird of Morphe will never thrive as long as the Kelpie is alive. So as long as the Kelpie is that's in it's in um, kind of Celtic. It's not actually it's the way they talk yeah, it, I got it, it. it. It went back and forth between like a, the Scottish and English wording. I know. I know. Was popularly popularly believed to have resulted in the extinction of the Laird's family. Some Kelpies were said to be equipped with a bridle and sometimes a saddle and appeared invitingly ready to ride, but if mounted, they would run off and drown their riders. A bridle taken from a Kelpie was endowed with magical properties, and if brandished towards someone, was able to transform that person into a horse or pony. Okay, let's stop. So, aside... Aside from the ones who could transform into handsome young men and just wanted to get married, there were some that would stand there looking like a very rideable horse, but if you got on it, they would take you and ground you. Yes. And they could also transform you into a horse or a pony. Or you say, could transform other I people the if bridle. you stole their say, bridle. Say I had the bridle of yeah. Kelpie. Yeah. And I said, hey, have this. It would transform you into a horse or a pony. Just yeah. by handing it to him? Well, I mean, he's... And if brandished, if a brandished towards someone, so if I, yeah, if I just... I don't know, because if you stole it and you held it, why didn't it turn you into a horse? Why can you just hand it to me and I turn it into a horse? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Kelpies can also Unless use... your ass, it should be in trouble then. <laughs> Thief. Kelpies can also use their magical powers to summon up a flood in order to sweep a traveler away to a watery grave. So they're just walking around killing people with water. The sound of a Kelpie's tail entering the water is said to resemble that of thunder. And if you hear, if you are passing by a river and hear an unearthly wailing or howling, take care. It could be a Kelpie warning of an approaching storm. Okay, why would they warn me of a storm if they want to drown me? But they have to warn them. They're kelpies. They would know. You know, so much of this just doesn't make sense. To okay, go. But there is some good news. I'm trying to think of it logically. Yay. A kelpie has a weak spot. It's bridle. Anyone who can get hold of a kelpie's bridle will have command over it and any other kelpie. So that's what. Wait, no, that's. No, 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 no. So you're saying that if I'm out and I'm like, hey, Kelpie, look at me, I'm very drownable. 
and it comes and gets close and I still it's bridal, then not only can I command it, but I can command all the other Kelpie. That's not a thing. This says get hold. This doesn't say it takes it off. I'm like, okay, so why you have a hold of it? But why would you still be able to control all the other Kelpie? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> a captive Kelpie is said to have the strength of at least 10 horses and the stamina of many more. And is highly prized. <laughs> it is rumored that the McGregor clan have a Kelpie's bridle passed down through the generations and said to have come from an ancestor who took it from a Kelpie near Loch Schlock. Loch Schlock? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, so many jokes. So many jokes. <laughs> a common Scottish folktale is that of the Kelpie and the ten children. Having lured nine children on, onto its back, it must be a big ass horse. It didn't say it did it all at once. Yes. Yeah, nine children on its it back. It lured nine children onto its back. It didn't say at once. It said Just it let her finish. Let her finish. Just let her finish. Maybe it's about to. A common Scottish folktale is that of the Kelpie and the ten children. Having lured nine children onto its back, it chases after the tenth. The child strokes its nose and his fingers become stuck fast. It still doesn't say all he manages to cut one. off his fingers and escape. The other nine children are dragged into the water, never to be seen again. See, all nine of them were on his back, Kylie. <laughs> and that's all I have. Why would his fingers get stuck? I need more information about a Kelpie. Know. Why were they sticky? I didn't have time to actually look into the full length of the tail. Okay, let the record show that Robin's notes are incomplete. Let the record show. Robin had notes. <laughs> Piss off. <laughs> I, I am upset because what I got was a lot of folk tales and I got no answers. <laughs> I have so many questions. And I'm going to dream about Kelpie horses tonight. Not see horses. I can't believe she missed me going, wait, water horses, not sea horses? Then she had those. You guys get to hear it twice. Go. <laughs> and now Kylie's going to talk to us about the silky. The silky? It's a silky. Whatever. It's, it's silky. Congratulations. You can pronounce shit. <laughs> okay, apparently we need not to record this late at night because some people are in a mood. <laughs> Don't make Kylie's eyebrows angry. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's such angry eyebrows. When Kylie gets mad, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but when Kylie gets mad, she looks like a cartoon. Her eyebrows are so angry. <laughs> anyway, tell us about the silky or the silky, whatever. <laughs> the silkies are the hidden ones of the mythology. They are gentle souls who prefer dancing into the night, overluring sailors to their death. They are often overlooked by mythology enthusiasts for the more enthralling forms of mermaids and sirens. Silkies play a prominent role in the mythology of Scandinavia, Scotland, and Ireland. Um, their myths are mostly romantic tragedies, which is a common theme for land and sea romances. However, it is the Selkies who suffer rather than their human lovers. So, hang on a second. Okay. Selkies can be men or women, but are seals while in the water. What di differentiates them from mermaids, aside from the choice of animal, is that they undergo a full body transformation upon coming to shore. They don't merely transform. They don't merely transform to just seal tails. Their seal tails turn into human legs, but their whole body shapeshifts from the sea animal to human, which is a painful process. Um, it's accomplished by shedding their seal skin when they come to land. They are predominantly mythological creatures. From I, Yeah, I already said that. Um, but there are similar tales in Iceland, too. Um, I have My papers sound nice turn. I know, they do. Um, okay. Their name descends from the Scottish. What? Later. 
Obi-Wan Kenobi from the new Star Wars. So if you search on Google and you type in is Ewan McGregor a and one of the topics that comes up is a Kelpie. Because one of the other podcasts I listened to talked about it and I just thought it was funny. And she waited until Kylie's turn. <laughs> Go Kylie. Okay. It just hit me, okay? Kelpie's <laughs> name descends from the Scottish silk and there's not a Gaelic term for these creatures at all. Um, it's likely indicative of their prominence in early modern Scottish culture. It's believed that the Selkies arose in legends when early Scottish settlers and shipwrecked Spaniards um, married dark hair, fur-wearing Finnish. I'm, I, this is about to get jumbled up a little bit. Um, and Sami native women. They are described as incredibly handsome and beautiful, and they take the role of both predator and prey, which contradicts them being gentle creatures. Um, How are they taking the role of both predator and prey? It's like they're, they're doing a one-man show. <laughs> those who come to land willingly often seek those who are already dissatisfied with their daily lives, such as the wives of fishermen. <laughs> it appears more common in myths that the predator... Selkies are usually the males, as tales indicate the men more often seek out lonely humans. However, there are also variations in which human women chose to summon male selkies to the shore by sending seven tears to the sea. Selkies can only remain in the presence of humans for a short period of time, and they must they must commonly wait seven years to return to the shore. So after they're on land and they go back to the water, they can't come back to the shore for seven years. See, there's a lot of seven and nine but They can. That rule is broken, however, when a Selkie is forced to remain a human without his or her consent. Um, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay, I was going to say, how do they? How are they forced to do that? The do they other, have a bridle? The other way in which Selkies become part of human life is when their silk skin is swollen, which is, you know, how they are forced to remain without their consent. Um, they leave it hidden on a beach somewhere. Does it look no, um, they didn't hide them on the beach. They kept I them with them. The Crypto Keeper podcast talked about they it. They didn't just hide them on the beach. They generally kept them on their persons or like the wolf home. around their possessions, like the wolf um, when it was in human form. Had to hide. Yeah. Some hit them on the beach. So hit them. <laughs> The Selkie is under the hold of the human, most often depicted as a forced marriage. Interestingly, Selkie women are very good wives, but regardless of how happy a Selkie is on land or how many children they bear, um, during their time on the surface, once a Selkie recovers their lost skin, the Selkie immediately returns to the sea without looking back. Various tales also depict the half-human children accidentally finding their parents' lost skin and returning it without being aware of the repercussions. Um, throughout the centuries, gray and harbor seals have returned year after year to the breeding grounds on the inner and outer... Um, what's an H? Hebrides? The Orkneys and... The Faroe Islands of Western Scotland. Though there are many stories, as there are tellers of stories, um, the versions of the Selkies legend centers on the starry midsummer nights when the souls of drowned humans um, captivate in the bodies of seals. No, I don't understand. So, I was going to say, I'm so confused right now. So there's a dead body in the sea. When the souls of the drowned humans... Okay, it's... Sea. Okay, okay, I get it. Um, so, if a human was drowned at sea, they are given the chance to become a seal. And so once a night, on like a full moon, they're given the chance to come to the shore and be human for just like... But they can't... They don't go far from the shore. That's just one story. I think I'm on a full moon and everything's seven or nine. 
On that night, under a bright moon, the sails come ashore together. They begin to stretch and twist. Oh, they together. They roll and lengthen their bodies until their temporary transformation is complete. They stand awkwardly at first on naked human legs, but are soon clamoring among the rocks and finding safe hiding places for their most prized possessions. The recently shed seal skins, for without their skins, they can never return to the water. The Selkies dance to music of the sea, to the tempo of the water lapping against the shore and the crashing of waves. Many venture away from the shore in search of companionship, captivating lonely men and women of nearby villages. For those Selkies become beautiful and graceful humans. Many highland clans claim kinship with the seals as a result of just encounters between humans and wandering Selkies. Um, Villagers know that they can hold Selkies captive by discovering and hiding their skin. Although the Selkie has no choice but to stay ashore with its captor, it will never overcome its longing for the sea and will search high and low until it discovers the hiding place of its skin. Once the skin is in the Selkie's hands, nothing can keep it from returning to the sea, neither husband, wife, nor their children or home. So, okay, they have children with humans, but their children are half-breeds. So, do their children have... Silky tendencies? Do they go to the sea? Yeah, I have a story that I'm going to get into in a minute. I just want to get through all the okay. information first. Okay. Um, there are suggestions that Selkies are just Spaniards that shipwrecked long ago and washed ashore and that their dark hair reminded people of seals. Another story says that seal people are, these are just like debunking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that their hair reminded people. Another story says that seal people are really fins and kayaks that wear furs. Some people believe Selkies are fallen angels that dropped into the sea and transformed. Um, there's even a suggestion that after Christianity swept through the lands that the Sil people were those in purgatory caught between the two worlds. One most popular theory is that they were um, they were formed from the souls of drowned people who were granted one night each year to return to their human form and dance upon the shore of the sea. It's widely speculated that many myths from all cultures, the tales of Selkies were created as a way to explain the unexplained because there were people born with webbed fingers and toes and faces resembling that of a seal and sometimes scaly skin that could smell fishy. Today there's scientific names for all of the above. I didn't go into them because y'all can look that up if you want to. Um, (laughs) Stories of seal people could also... She is so gracious to our listeners. Stories of still people could also have been imagined as ways to account for women that didn't seem to fit in with the rest of society. They share similarities with sirens, mermaid, and mermaids in other cultures. However, for the people that lived on the edges of the sea and depended on water and its gifts for survival, it seemed natural for them to have believed legends of beautiful, mysterious creatures that shed their shiny silk coats to become humans for a night of dancing under the moon. But they could venture away and find somebody to love. But I've found many stories, but I'm just going to read this one because this kind of covers, like, everything that's mentioned and all of everything else. Um, Okay. So people are said to be cursed with a constant longing for what they do not have. When they're swimming in the water as seals, they yearn to be on the land. And when they walk on two legs as a human, they long to be seals. There's a little early. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. There is one ancient Celtic story featuring um, Neil Mac Codrum, a Scottish fisherman. He was traveling along the coast when he spotted a group of nude women dancing under the moon. When he stepped on a piece of driftwood, it alerted them of his presence, um, who ran over to a pile of furs, slipped them on, and dove into the sea. However... Neil was able to grab the last sister's sealskin before she could put it on, although she pleaded with him to give it back. Neil knew about the Selkies from the old tales, and he refused. He hid her sealskin, and the woman was forced to stay with him and become his wife. Wow. Yeah. After some time, she gave him a son and a daughter, both sporting webs between their fingers and toes. They grew older as the Selkie women grew more wistful. Though she was a good and obedient wife... One day, the children came running to her with a piece of fur, excited to show her what they had found. Their mother was overjoyed to have her sealskin back. She told her children about um, the silky race and warned them that she had to leave that very night. After Neil had fallen asleep, the silky woman took her sealskin to the water's edge. She bade her kids farewell, but she told them that they would be able 
to hear her singing from time to time as they were half sulky themselves. Then she slipped in the water and the children headed home. In the morning, Neil was saddened to hear his children tell him that their mother had returned to the sea. I'm pretty sure he's probably irate at this point. Whatever. He needs to get over himself. He should have stole her fur. He missed her very much, but his children kept him company for the rest of his life, except for the nights when their mother's song called them to come to her and swim through the waves. Which, you know, obviously he's going to be pissed off. He went through all that trouble to keep her. And then she's gone. And they're part selkie, so they like the water and stuff, but they can't exactly breathe under the water, so... How... How... They could go and spend time just, with her, though. I don't understand the part about even being able to leave your children. You Okay. You said they didn't have a choice, though. They had a choice. No. And when once, you're telling the original their, story, you were saying once their fur was returned to them, like even if they hide see. it and they're like, I'm going to go find this somebody and they're married and they have children. If somehow their fur gets found and returned to them, they have no choice but to return to the sea and they have to leave whatever, whoever. They have to leave their life on land and go back to the sea. And obviously. No, it just says they immediately returned to the sea. Like, I guess it's nothing about force. It's just. I guess all the years on land makes them want to go back to sea, but if you've got children, how do you? Well, okay, first of all, it doesn't okay, but say she's how not just old for the, the, long the children were, and you mentioned years and years. Well, I'm going to say that I'm the, sorry. the children were excited to show her fur, they were probably about five. I, well, I don't I would see say teenager older going, than look, five. Look, well, you don't know. How does a teenager want You don't even know what year this takes place in, but also... You know what? No matter how much you love your children, she she didn't want to be there to begin with. You don't know what she went through to give to have those children. I know, but they said she didn't want to be around. So I mean, but she didn't have a choice. I know that's what I'm saying. So I get that, but still, I get where you're coming from because I could never leave my I children. Be able to. But. Part of the the beginning was, of the story doesn't she say in the beginning of the story? Because I did listen to another podcast um, about them, and I heard about the Kelpies. I never heard of either one of them. And the water, water horse that's not a seahorse. I learned about the Selkies when I watched an episode of Lost Girl when um, they go to a strip club looking for somebody's lost daughter, and they're in the strip club because um, the owner. Stole all of their sealskins and making them dance, and um, they had to use um, a candle rendered of human fat to um, pause time so they could go get the sealskins out of the thing. I Just watched it, but I don't remember on multiple much. levels. I remember all of it. I still cry at the thought of Kennedy. I never watched the end. So. Well, to me, I like those shows that somebody can take a bridle or a fur and make you do things against your will simply by having that object of yours. I don't like it. Let the record show. Werewolf doesn't have that. <laughs> <laughs> you take his fur, you can kill him if you can catch him, but that's it. You can't make him do nothing. I don't like it. That that made me sad. Your story made me sad. Yeah, it is sad. I hope you're because happy. They're, they're often women. Because. Of course they are. Because the men just come to shore to keep the fishermen's wives company. <laughs> keep them happy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right. Well, we but, hope you enjoyed yeah. her shapeshifter episode and that you're not sad when you walk away although you know i will i i do want to say one thing real quick i was going to wait and and do this off the air but you know i'm subjecting you to it anyway you're welcome because i have questions i have so many questions so i looked up kelpie <laughs> before kylie started and not while she was reading but it says are you listening a Kelpie is a shape-shifting aquatic spirit of Scottish legend. 
its name may derive from the Scottish Gaelic words, I'm going to try to say, Calperch or Colpock, meaning heifer or colt. Kelpies are said to haunt rivers and streams, usually in the shape of a horse, which Robin said, and beware, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, these horses can also appear. No, wait, that's not what I want. I don't care about the human form. Where is it? Okay, they, they appear as a tame pony beside um, a river. They are particularly attractive to children. But children should take care, for once on its back, its sticky, magical hide will not allow them to dismount. Once trapped in this way, the Kelpie will drag the child into the water and then eat them. <laughs> oh my God. Oh so my they, target children. they target children. They target children. See, now somebody's working on my children. I'm still in a bridal too. <laughs> and your equine ass would be working on my farm. <laughs> so that's the end of episode seven. Yay. Check back next week for Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. Bigfoot. Yeah, Bigfoot. <laughs> this will be fun. We're kind of going to cover different regions, right? Yes, yeah. I've got different regions. And this is in North America, let the record show. There are probably legends in other countries, possibly, but yeah. We're, we're, we're covering we're covering America. America. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening.